Hey guys, welcome to Date Night at the Movies, or How I Spent My Babysitter Money. Uh, I'm sitting here by myself saying that joke. I can't tell if it's gotten old yet or not, but I'm saying it anyway for continuity. Uh, I am Jordan. I am the so far the only consistent host on this uh, on this podcast. Uh, but we're doing a slightly different format tonight. Uh, it's another platonic date night. However, the platonic date night includes both Jessica and I. Uh, so I'm sitting here on Skype looking at my iPad with uh, Jessica on the other line. How's it going, Jess? What up, everybody? Hi. From sunny, actually dreary LA. Yeah? Yeah. I, awesome. I it, it, LA rained today that means that they talked about it but it didn't happen <laughs> oh so it means still a drought okay <laughs> yeah no so, water must order and pay for water so we are here tonight with one of our very good friends uh my favorite story about this particular friend is somebody once asked me if you know oh you know him i'm just like i send drunk texts to him sometimes and whenever i told <laughs> this particular friend this story his response was deadpan that is a level of friendship so, <laughs> so, <laughs> and it makes me so happy. Uh, so, you guys have seen him on American Horror Story. You've seen him on Westworld season two. You have seen him on Sleepy Hollow. Uh, if you've seen any of the movies Jessica and I have made, you've probably seen him a few places in there as well. Uh, he's uh, very good looking. <laughs> yes. He's a fantastic creature actor, actor. Uh, he is turning into one of my favorite directors. In fact, my one of my favorite things I've ever worked on is a thing that Alex directed. So uh, welcome tonight, Without Alex. Without further ado. If you wouldn't have interrupted me. <laughs> it's, it's almost like Jessica doesn't give a about introducing our guests. I do, I'm excited. <laughs> Please welcome Alexander Ward. How you doing, Alex? Hello. I'm good. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I wish you guys could have seen his face as I was like giving him effusive praise. He kind of <laughs> wanted to crawl in the couch cushions, it looked like. <laughs> we want people to feel really warm and welcome on our podcast. I'm terrible at accepting <laughs> praise. <laughs> I know that about you, and that's why I decided to go all into it. And if Jessica... Right. If Jessica hadn't interrupted, then it would have been even better. Listen, I have to keep consistent, sir. Yes, you so do. So I'm going to keep interrupting. So one thing I am going to say real quick is, so I edit all of our episodes, right? And as I was editing The Predator the other day, which is going to go out live tomorrow, uh, most of our podcasts sound like I'm just constantly interrupting and being mean to Jessica. I swear to God, guys, I'm just super deadpan, and this is the way our conversations go, but like smiling faces don't translate on podcasts, so I felt that this was a very important thing for me to say right now. PSA? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's transition into, we are talking about The Nun. Yes, we are, and uh, I think there are more... Is it, are we just going to start doing the, like, it's code for whenever, holy this movie, whenever we're just like, there are thoughts to be shared. I think, yeah, there are thoughts. So if you ever yeah. go to the Instagram and we say there are thoughts, yeah. buckle up, buttercup. There definitely are. <laughs> now, this is one, before we figured out how to get the Skype thing going, like, Jessica had even said, like, well, we should just see if, like, Alex will fly out here and go see the movie with us. Because this is one we were actually really excited to see with you. And I'm bummed well, I didn't get the theater experience with you guys. 
Well, we laughed a lot. <laughs> and uh, and if anybody has ever seen a scary movie with me, I'm usually quite jumpy and screamy. Um, and I did watch a lot of the movie through my hands, but I actually relaxed after a while. She did. She did. There was only a couple of jumps. <laughs> and most of them got her got me. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> I, I was really disappointed in myself because I got hit with the jump scare that they actually showed in the previews. Oh, damn it. Yeah. And like that happened. I was like, huh. And I'm like, son of a bitch. I think I know which one you did because I think that's the one that hit us too. <laughs> yeah, <I think> so. <laughs> Don't you feel just so stupid? You're like, I knew that was coming. <laughs> she was in the habit and everything. Um, so first things first. Um Drink of the podcast for everybody listening. If you're not driving, if you're driving home from watching this movie, uh, you can't have this drink of the podcast. But uh, we're having holy water, everyone. Not down and dirty, dry <laughs> holy water. Yep. But it's coming from Cal Leftfornia, so I don't know how holy that actually is. Touche. Oh. <laughs> Alex, you know I actually have people down here who've told me, well, you're just from Cal Leftfornia. I'm just like, wow, you went really far out of your way to try and insult me just then. Wow. that's I've never heard that before. That's bad. You're yeah, because you're here. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really gone anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what are we rating the movie in? Uh, should we do it in rosaries? Uh, rosaries or upside down crosses? Uh, upside down crucifixes. Let's let's meet in the middle. There we go. Okay, we so go. we're gonna there. rate it in upside down crucifixes. All right, Jordan, I, you start. I will go first. I will give this one two and a half out of five. Okay. Because okay. because like I didn't just hate it, but I knew the whole time that I wasn't enjoying it. So. <laughs> Like there were there were certain things that I liked. I really liked the two leads because I like both of them in pretty much everything I've ever seen them in. Uh, Taisa Farmiga or Far is it Farmiga Farmiga? Uh, I don't know. And I don't know. Uh, I don't know her. And uh, Demian Bashir. Um, I really like those two and everything. I really like the score. I thought the score was really good. Did you? Yeah. We'll we'll talk oh. we'll talk about that uh, as we go. We got to get into some more crucifixes. Mm -hmm. uh, Hello? Did we just lose connection? Hey guys, so as you might have heard in the first six minutes of this episode, we had some technical difficulties, we had to switch over to different platforms, but the good news is that you're going to be able to hear Jessica and Alex a little better, and uh, everything should be a little smoother, so here we go. Okay, Alex, how many upside-down crucifixes would you give this movie? All right. Um, now, Jordan, that is a respectable 2.5 you gave it, um, but I think I'm going to give it a 2 out of 5. All right. I think that's where I'm going to sit with that one. For, for the record, I'm only giving it a 2.5 just because I did think The Predator was worse. <laughs> I mean, that's not a not an invalid opinion. I am... Um, the reason I'm going to give it two is because um, while I do like, as Jordan said, I do like those two main actors, and I, I and I loved the character of Valak from the Conjuring Two. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, this, I don't know who this movie was made for. <laughs> is honestly where I'm stuck in that 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 character is creepy out of when she's in a, a normal everyday setting yes. that's she's she works when you put her in a medieval cathedral it 
just like cuts her off at the knees. Like it's 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 a weird. True. You're like, yeah, you're supposed to be here. Why would you even go in there? <laughs> like, it's right. Like, so that's why I'm going to give it two. Okay. I, I do have thoughts on that particular point, and uh, if I don't remember to go back to it, one of you help me remember to go back All right. to it. Okay. All right. All right. So an upside down crucifixes. Mm-hmm. So I love a scary movie, and The Conjuring is like my favorite movie ever. I feel like you're being sarcastic. I know. I actually, The Conjuring she, is like my favorite she, movie. She is a thousand percent not being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, because of all this, and like I saw this movie, and I thought it should scare the pants off of me, and I was really brave this year, and I went and saw it, and I like. It, proud of you for that. Thank you. I was hard. Um, I give this one and a half. Wow. I give it a one and a half because if it does, like there were some jump scares, and we both had we both jumped, but like, ugh, the writing was so bad. Yeah, my. I have problems with the writing on this. Uh, and it was it, just four shadow circles. Yeah. It's like, do you That's think all it was, do you think that bell's ever going to come back? Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> now, my, and the, like, not just come back, come back like six times. Yeah. Like, now the guy who wrote the screenplay, like obviously the story was from James Wan and uh, I think the same guy, but uh, yeah. Ga- Gary Doberman who co-wrote it, which again, I thought it was a great movie. Uh, yeah. It was pretty good, but I kind of got complacent by the end. Well, but that's the thing is that I don't I think that he has a classic horror movie in him on down the road. He just hasn't gotten there yet because right. like the parts of it that I really liked, I could tell were kind of from uh, Andy Machete and Carrie Fukunaga, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Gary Doberman, I think it writes some good jump scares, but I don't think that he's written like a scary script yet. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just it's it's not grounded in. I think what's so great about like the Conjuring movies is they're grounded in like this what feels very real, yeah. And the stakes are really high. These people had nothing to lose. Oh, okay, so here's one thing that I thought, and I thought this from the second that they announced this movie. So you know, like they do the Conjuring movies, you know, and people land on different places with Ed and Lorraine Warren. I think I tend to land on the side of they were probably faking a lot of it. Uh, I don't know, but I believe in monsters. So, but so like, but that's how they kept going with the Conjuring. It's like, oh, this really happened, or did it, or didn't it? And then the Conjuring, too. Yeah. Oh, this is another one. Like, there's actual. Whether it's true or not, there's historical basis for this. But as soon as they were like, and now we're making The Nun, I'm like, okay, you've just dropped any pretense of that now, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I mean, even even the offshoots of The Conjuring, like Annabelle and stuff like that, mm-hmm. are still grounded in that same world. Right. Yes. And they're like, well, yeah, because in the first Conjuring, they introduced the Annabelle doll, so they went back and made a movie about that and being like, hey, look at this. Here's how the Annabelle doll came around. And then, you know, it's like they keep it all in the same universe, but this one seemed really out of left field. Well, well and the ending, too. So should we... Let's ha- let's not get to the ending yet, because okay. I think there's well, still things that we can be talking about in this part, but please continue. Uh, well, to not give away the ending, I actually, as someone who's a huge fan of The Conjuring and all this stuff, you would think that... Of all people, I would remember how it connects. Mm-hmm. And when they showed it at the end, I was like, 
I was floored. That's, I have to, it, did, they didn't connect it at all that's to this something, very successful world. That's something that like all three of the offshoots, the two Annabelle movies and this one, they're very lazily connected. And they're they're really like ham-fistedly connected as well. Yeah. Um, and I, it's and not, I'm looking up who played the nun too. No, it's the same woman who played it in Conjuring 2. I yeah, saw her. She's also, she's also really? the scary hobo in Mulholland Drive. Okay, what's her name, Alex? No idea. Let's Bonnie, find it. Bonnie Aarons. Oh, yeah, Tammy Beard was her stunt double. Nice. Um, hashtag shout out to Tammy. Um, hashtag shout out. Hashtag shout out. I'm not very good at this. Um, oh, no, it was Tammy Baird and Lauren Burton. This was also partially shot in the UK. Gotcha. So Jessica and I are big fans of the Conjuring movies. Um I thought the first Annabelle was okay. We saw the second Annabelle last year, and we both liked it pretty okay. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen that one yet. It's actually, I think it's super creepy, but I think dolls are bad. And um, the doll in Annabelle 2 is really scary. Mm. Well, I thought it was scary. So, so Alex, what are your feelings on the Conjuring movies? I actually, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the, the Conjuring 1 and 2. I... I... I really like the way they they uh, way their pacing is. I like the imagery. I I like regardless of if the Ed and Lorraine Warren stuff is real or not. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm gonna watch anything about that stuff. I, but I'm also the kind of guy who watches like Paranormal Witness on Netflix. So like, <laughs> do you ever get you as know, mad like, as oh, I, there are ghosts here? And I just like watching it. Do but you like, ever get as mad as I do? Like going on Hulu or Amazon, and you're like, oh, let's look in horror, and it's always like Evil Bong six 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 or something yeah, like yeah. that. I'm like, uh, but but um so be, being a big fan of those movies i i, I mean I, I love the first one the first one's great the second one has some really cool stuff in it as well and when i initially saw the second one and seeing the nun valak in it for the first time i was super into that character i thought it was really cool i love the way it was used i love the the you know the shadow walk scene where it goes around the office oh, and it comes out mm-hmm. of the painting yes. like, I thought that was great and so initially when this movie was announced i was actually really excited i was like oh making a movie about that character i was like I, I understand why, because that character was so popular from those movies, so I get why they would want to make a movie out of it. But then seeing it, I was confused. Yeah. So here's my biggest problem with, like, before we even get into the movie proper, my biggest problem with the Conjuring extended universe that they're doing, which, you know, I'm really cynical about anything that's an extended universe at this point. Um, right. Is the fact that, in the first Conjuring, they have like the whole like museum that they set up really organically where they keep the Annabelle doll and everything like that. Yeah. They could have gone to any one of those things and made movies about them organically. Yeah. You know, and my problem with the nun, and this is just a little, you know, behind the scenes thing in the Conjuring too, is that the nun wasn't even in it at the first showing. Um they, really? Uh, yeah, so uh, the, the composer who did all of the Conjuring movies except for this one, uh, Joe Bashara, mm-hmm. um, he's the one who, he plays the lipstick demon in the... Uh, Insidious, in, yeah. Yeah, in Insidious, uh, and he played the witch in the first Conjuring. So mm-hmm. he was going... Oh, to, I forgot about that. Yeah, he was going to play the demon in The Conjuring 2, and they filmed it and everything. And then they got there, and they were like, oh, this just doesn't work very well. Uh, Why so, do you think? I don't know. You only see a flash of the demon whenever she says Valak's name in The Conjuring 2, and like it shifts from the nun to the demon. Uh, yeah, like really quick. 
Yeah. So that's the only thing left that that guy had. Uh, oh. in, in the movie. Well, so, Tree O'Toole was the hands and the most of the action of well of the nun. I, again, because it was thrown in there at the last minute. Uh, Crazy. J- James Wan literally was just like, we need something that's scarier. What about a creepy nun? Okay, let's do that. Like, that's literally how the nun came into The Conjuring 2. So while oh. I, while she scared me, and honestly, the scariest parts of this movie were whenever they replayed the, that scene in The Conjuring 2 where she's just standing in the hallway. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh when the little girl's like, Mommy, I'm like, fuck! Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was a great scene. Uh, but so, like, it, it bothers me that they just pr- completely ignored the universe that they could have set up organically. And right. yeah. these are the movies they're making now. Um, yeah. Well, and to circle back what to Alex said is, like, who was this movie for? Exactly. Yeah, because it's it's too intense. Like uh, Lennon and I were talking about this when we watched the Meg. Is that like they could have made it a lot more violent, and then they kind of turned it into a family friendly movie. You know, even right. even though it's PG thirteen, like it's you can still take a ten or eleven year old kid to that movie. You know, right? That that was the thing is as I was watching this movie, I was like, okay, I I get you're trying to kind of explain the origin of this character that everybody liked, but I think part of why they liked it is that she was so out of place and just existed mm-hmm. that everybody's like, that's scary. I don't know where that comes from. And the, I don't know where that comes from is what made that thing scary. Yes. Well, and what makes it so frustrating in this movie too, is that they actually touched on that there. Like whenever she talks about, you know, who's this nun? And then the other nun is just like, you've seen her too. And they talk about how like they see her walk around at night and she ingratiates herself in with the other nuns. Like to me, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, that's scary. Why are you not doing that? You know? Well, and it, also that they made it so much about these visions and this, and like unnecessary, it's already supernatural. So why? They, yeah, yeah they, they, they hit, they were really hitting hard the, the religious aspect of this movie, which I get it was in a, it was in a church and a convent and in mm-hmm. Romania. But they need they needed to choose. What was this a possession movie? Was this a ghost movie? What was this like? Yeah, and it's it, it's kind of like the things that people criticized about it. And I'm you know maybe this is unfair, but I'm kind of blaming Gary Doberman for it. Is that it's just let's throw all this stuff in there because oh wouldn't this be cool? Like right, re- regardless of where that came from, because I know James Wan's name is on the is He's on the story. story but yeah. but this right. whole movie just seemed like, oh, isn't this cool? Ah, we'll figure out the story in between, you know? Yeah. So can I tell you something funny? Please do. So this kind of felt like Catholic porn a little bit. <laughs> and um, and I, and having not grown up um, with Catholic guilt, I grew up with Jewish guilt, I feel. Um, this, all this Catholicism, and yes, we have glimpses of it because in theory, a lot of a lot of the exorcisms are solved by Catholic miracles and yeah. and the exorcism itself, but it's never been about being Catholic. Mm-hmm. This felt like it, and so it actually felt extremely uncomfortable whenever she was like, "I'm ready to take my vows." Yeah, that seemed. Uh, I I have so many on. thoughts on that. Hold scene. on, wait, <laughs> wait. So she's laying face down. Her butt crack is showing. Yes, <laughs> and. She's, and I look at the Alex and I go, is this really, so sorry. I said, is this really how they do this? That, uh, that's literally one of the notes I have. Oh, and, and, I, <laughs> and I turned around and I said, I don't know if you know this, but I've never done that. 
And then he says, and for those of you, we will we will post all about Alex. But um, he said that immediately afterwards, he says, I mean, I get that a lot. <laughs> well, because you said you said I'm sorry, like like oh, I didn't mean to like. Assume. No, I was joking, but yeah, I know, I know. I was like, don't worry, it happens all the time. So I don't know what happened five minutes later. Like yeah. I have no clue. I was laughing. So the, there were lots of parts in the last third of this movie, the last fourth of this movie, that honestly just seemed like they had a nun fetish. So mm. yeah. So there was the face down, ass up, taking her vows. Is that a thing? I don't know. For everybody, guys, okay. I had no idea. For those of you listening, Easter egg time. Um, Jordan, whatever um, the release of music you were going to get, if anybody can do the research and post on our Facebook page how actually people take their vowels, the first would say like three people to do research on that and post it on our Facebook page, we'll get a free track. Is yeah, that fair? That is okay. fair. And you have to use the hashtag face down ass up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was that was really confusing. That was it was. I thought you know, I, I was so sh- anyway. I mean, let's go back to. The, I guess we should uh, start at the beginning. Real quick, just while we're on the nun fetish thing, they also started <laughs> stripping her clothes off. Yeah, they did. And like, I I don't know. It just seemed like it just seemed like a nineteen seventies Russ Meyer thing. That was just like they're nuns, but they're DTF that type of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. And here's her shoulder blade. Yeah. And I mean, I'm going to be honest, there was a part of me that was like, all right, keep it going. But yeah. no. Jordan. No. I've seen it by myself. <laughs> no, like the whole the whole entrance of the, the intro into this movie where they it was it was very, very Dracula of, oh, let's go to this town and get a guy to bring us to a castle. Yeah. It reminded me a well, lot of, and, and parts of the music too, really reminded me of the Werner Herzog Nosferatu. Yeah. Like, Which I took a nap in. But like, it starts off very similar. Yeah, don't ask Jessica about that movie. But uh, <laughs> but it starts off similar. It had the yeah, same yeah. type of like really heightened lighting. Uh, what was that? Nothing. I was doing a Werner Herzog impression. Do, do it again because Skype cut that off. It's not good. No, it's important. It's important for I art. Said, and there uh, we come to look at the vampire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, okay, so let's kind of get back towards the beginning of the movie. Okay. All right. Uh, so one of the first things that I wrote down was every religious person of power looks like a James Bond villain. Yes. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Like yeah. You walked into a, a you know some conference of villains and they all happen to be wearing cardinals uniforms. Yeah. And again, going back into the universe of this movie is in the past, we knew that things were coming from Rome. We knew they were coming from the Vatican, but they never made it a thing. It, it was yeah. always and like the kindly old priest who was like, I want to help you, but I have to get I have to get permission from right. the Vatican, you know? And I had to remind myself multiple times that this movie was only set in the 1950s, not the 1800s. Yeah. yeah. And it really didn't. No, I didn't feel like the 50s at all. No. It, it was, every time, the scenes in the Vatican especially felt like that South Park episode where the priest goes to the Vatican and like, there's the giant spider who's the real Pope and stuff like that. And yeah. it, like, it just felt really weird to me. 
and they never they never really touched on what that main priest did. Yeah. Like yeah. they were like, I'm called for special circumstances. Like, how, why? Why are you qualified for this? What did you do? I lost count of how many uh, how many exorcist references there were in the first 15 minutes of this movie, well, too. Yeah. And that's the thing is, this was it felt the beginning of this felt exactly like the Exorcist, but the Exorcist did it 10,000 years better. Yeah. Because the Exorcist, you really got to know one, you got to know the family, why you should care that this little girl be saved. Right. And then the priest, you knew where he was coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was like, the Vatican sent me, or calls for me. I don't, it's obvious he doesn't like the Vatican for some reason. Yeah. And they never explain why. And then they're like, you have, and they don't really, he doesn't put up a fight when they tell him to go to Romania. He's just like, because I gotta go. Like, and he just leaves. And yeah, then, and then they ne- you never get them to explain why he had to choose this nun. Like, yeah. like they they were like because she knows the area, and then she's just immediately like, "Well, I've never been there." Oh, well, they have their reasons for choosing you, and and we're supposed to like make our own assumption like she, well, it's because of her visions. Yeah, but, it's because God chose her or something like that. Like, but I was like. like uh, yeah. everybody talks about how she's crazy. Like her mother superior at the school where she teaches hates her. Like, yeah. oh my God, well. And, I mean, as probably a group of people who are very pro-dinosaur, <laughs> hashtag episode two um, of Date My Dead Movies, but, like, she's obviously not all that Catholic, and are we supposed to believe she's made a huge jump? Yeah. All right, so here's the thing. So the second I saw her and I recognized who she was, you know who her older sister is, right? She plays the other lady. Yeah, she um, plays Lorraine Warren. Yeah. yeah. I was a thousand percent expecting this movie at the end to be like, I'm not meant to be a nun. I'm going to change my name to Lorraine. Yeah, no, I get that. It it was super distracting just because not only do you know that they're related, but they look so much like each other. They do. Yeah, they do. It's like looking at at a group of Culkins, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, touche. For a second when you said Culkin, I thought gargoyle, and I was like, I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it's, there was a lot of nuns, and there was a lot of people with, like, masks over their heads, yeah. and I, I just, hashtag Catholic guilt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Alex, you can see Jessica tries to start about 10 new hashtags every 10 minutes on this show. It's because I actually don't know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, now I did, I did give this movie... Uh, you know, a two out of five. You can always change your upside down crucifixes. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just sticking where I am. But the, I, w- I will say, eventually I will talk about things that I liked about this movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Shall we talk about what we liked? Well, okay. So, before that. Uh, <laughs> We're not ready yet. I, the, it was a bit weird when they, when they, you know, when they finally get to, to Romania, where this, where this mm-hmm. crazy Abbey is. And they go to get the guy who's supposed to bring him to the place. And they introduce that guy by being like, oh, he's getting crazy nightmares. And then immediately he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, like, did you notice how his accent just kind of came and went? Yes! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, all the time. I was like, are you supposed to be French? And he's like, I'm French-Canadian. I'm like, okay, cool. Oh, now your whole accent's gone. You, like, I was you like, know that they just added the French-Canadian in there? Uh, I mean, I, that may have been part of like them tying it into the first Conjuring movie. But well, 
Jordan, this is why this movie is worse than The Predator. What's the what is the final button line on The Predator? Uh, hope they have it in a forty-two regular. Mm-hmm. Button line in the nun. I'm French Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, garbage. Um, it's garbage. But, but like he, to me, that felt like they threw that line in there to justify him not having a French accent all the time. Yeah, I get that. No, you don't. Okay, spoiler alert. You don't get to like scream, I'm French Canadian at Valak the Demon and then not be judged. By the way, guys, if you can hear the glitches, that's just because uh, we had to switch over to FaceTime instead of Skype, and there are a couple of glitches that come in every now and then. Uh, it's still a good conversation, so just uh, bear with us through it and don't complain. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's a really bad button line. It's just bad. So, so all right, yeah, go on, go no, 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 go on ahead. Um, I will say, the location they filmed at for this church was pretty rad. Mm-hmm. Like they did a good job. Art department did a great job. In well, this movie. they did a great job for the church scenes themselves because I did a little bit of IMDBing in between in between this, and uh, right. apparently in Romania it is illegal to film inside a church, so they had to build the church from scratch. Hey, what? All right. Yes. What? Okay. Good Hold on. Slow clap. So good for them. They did a great job. That it was great. It looked rad. Um, there was yeah. a lot of cool stuff. So that was, you know, that when I saw it, I was like, oh, cool. It's the church from Diablo 2. Um, <laughs> a, a lot of this reminded me of Butchered, uh, yeah. especially the shots of like the Crusaders coming in. Uh, Alex and I yeah. both worked on this short film directed by our friend David that's based in the Diablo universe. I did the music and he played one of the characters in it. And there were a few shots in there that I was just like, wow, this is Butchered. I actually want to yeah, get yeah. I want to get David's opinion on this if he ever sees it. Yeah. So, uh, so go ahead, Jordan. What were you gonna say? Uh, I was just gonna go through. I was actually just gonna read off some of my notes real quick. If okay. you guys don't okay. mind. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So whenever they introduce the priest doing the crossword puzzles and. Uh, and the word they're looking for is deliveries, and she comes up like the. I can't remember exactly what the words were, but the clue to it was something like, uh, like something a postman will give you. And then she, like she says, deliveries. He was like, you've done this before. And it's just like, you're both so bad at this. Yeah. Like, that, <laughs> like what? Couldn't you have thought of a, maybe a harder clue than that? Like, it's like I don't know. Yeah. I thought envelope. Yeah. Like, I was, <laughs> you know, like it's not that obvious. And when they said, don't make fun of me. And then, so also when he was like, Whenever they assumed the audience was dumb. And I say that because going back to deliveries, he sees the puzzle, which they couldn't have foreshadowed harder. <laughs> um, he goes, deliveries. Not He didn't assume that we as an audience, and this is a director, like I want to slap him on his hand. We saw that and I was like, oh yeah, the like thing in the cellar. Yeah. Well, and on that and note too. And then he too, said it. On that yes. note too. So, uh, you know, the door that they have to go through at the end of the movie. Um, yeah. Don't you think that would have been better if they didn't subtitle it in the first scene? Yeah. Like, if they yeah. would have, if they would have just shown it and not have us, like, know what's going on, but they're Ugh. still really freaked out, and then you don't find out what that means until the end of the movie, where they say it anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Both of us were just like, yeah, we know what he said. 
And I, I like, and, and it also was insulting because the director, obviously that moment was the characters don't know, but it seemed insulting as an audience oh, member. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, some so some other notes that I have. I already said how every religious person looked like a James Bond villain. Uh, the blood on the steps was already was a reference to The Shining. I could tell, uh, and the only reason I could tell that is because I was in the process of being hit over the head with all the Exorcist references. Yeah. Oh, good point. I didn't think of The Shining. Uh, every, Which Shining, by the way? Uh, the Stanley Kubrick one. Okay. Because that's yeah, with the, the wave of blood. Yeah, that's the only one that has the blood in the elevator. Okay, I've n- I. Go back and forth on Stanley Kubrick. Mm-hmm. That's a PTSD thing. Yeah, get that. <laughs> uh, so every time that they were saying like you know something like you know I'm from Romania or we're in Romania, all I could think of was Tim, <laughs> was Tim Curry in Congo, Herkimer Homolka, formerly of Romania, <laughs> and every time somebody said Romania in like their half-assed Romanian accents, all I could think of was Tim Curry in Congo. By the side note. The dude, the the guy who was the bartender in the tavern in the one time they're in the tavern, I went to school with that guy. Really? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I I know that guy. <laughs> well, congrats to him for a feature film release, and I think his accent, his Romanian accent, I think was, he's from Romania. <laughs> well, he was the, had the best dialect of oh. everybody in the movie. But, but like, still wasn't much of one. And if he's actually from Romania, what that probably means is they're like, hey, so uh, we didn't have anybody else do a Romanian accent in this movie, so can you just tamper yours down just yeah, a little dial bit? Dial it down there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> he's from somewhere, I can't remember, he might not be from Romania, but it just, it, for some reason, that's in my head that he's from there. But, um, so funny. Um, I line that really stuck out to me as... Uh, as like a really problematic line, and maybe this is the point, uh, was where they she was like, they thought I was mentally unstable, or worse, a liar. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's not worse. Oh. Especially like back then, like, holy crap, if you were mentally unstable, like you'd be lobotomized. I'd rather be a liar. Yeah. That was that was a weird line. It was very Christian of her. Yeah, there was a lot of weird no one talks like this conversation (laughs) happened in that movie. Yeah, Uh, it was, it was just, it was nothing flowed. And I felt like it actually made the actors seem like they were making bad choices. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is only the director's like second feature film. Um, I I don't know what he has done besides this. Like I, I looked him up a little bit. I didn't IMDb him. I Wikipedia him and it only listed two things. So I don't know if he was like from an art department or something like that. We're on it. We're on it. Uh, yeah. Let, let me know what you find. But, um, yeah, this movie does seem like not only did it have script problems, but it wasn't very strongly directed. Uh-huh. See in 2015, he did the hollow. Mm-hmm. The nun. He did the, he did this in the hollow. His name is, uh, it should be at the top. Director Corin Hardy. Corin Hardy, but he did The Hallow. I don't know that one. I just, I, I, there's something I've been trying to look up on my phone, oh. and I want to. I need to know. Well, this was a big undertaking, and and I and I'm a total believer in first time directors because oftentimes it is not their first time directing. Mm-hmm. Ah, sorry. What? It, nothing. It's something I can talk about on a podcast. <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> it's not sign things. Uh, um, I, I think I might know what you're talking about. 
Uh, and we'll just we'll just leave that as an inside reference for friends. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So we did the hollow. Well, I didn't see the hollow. The hollow. Was he? Is he listed oh, as like any other crew member on anything? One moment. That's a good point. He's a writer and director. That's it. Just a director. So he's, which is weird because he's not even coming as an actor. Yeah, like because I, whenever I Wikipedia'd him, it said something in there like years active, two thousand three to present, and I'm like, oh, they must have just not like he must have come from art department or editorial or sound or something no, like that. No, and honestly, too, when you come, like I'm working with a director right now who comes as from a script supervisor, mm-hmm. and he's so he's directed before, but he comes from a script supervisor, supervisor, so it he's like highly, highly attentive to detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we all. Those everyone usually who directs directs comes from a different point of view, and he doesn't. He's only got twelve credits, Mm -hmm. which proves you guys anything can be produced. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so getting back to the movie. So, uh, so were there any particular thoughts in like the first uh, in the first twenty minutes of the movie that we haven't gone over? That we have not touched. Yeah. Um, I did think it was weird because I seem to be like the feminist <laughs> around these days. Um, we got, I got the whole time, I got that she was a nun. Yeah. Like I got that. But every time someone touched her, no matter who it was, anytime a male touched her, it was like this look and like discomfort. And I just felt like over the head of she's taking her vows and it's like sexually charged. Yeah. And I just thought, or she could just, you know, deal with it gracefully. And I don't think she was given the room as an actress to deal with it in a normal way. Yeah. It's like, we get it. Everybody wants to bang this nun. Uh, can we move on with the rest of the movie? <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's okay that, you know, Frenchie wanted to, you know, to do things to her, but he could have just let it roll off of her. Yeah. She seems much stronger than they allowed her to be at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She didn't, yeah. It was like it, it circumstances and where she wasn't forced her to be meek, even though she wasn't like, yeah. it, was, it was bizarre. Yeah. I, I also didn't understand, like I can understand her not traveling in a nun's habit everywhere she goes, but I don't understand why they took him out of his collar to travel. Yeah. Oh, good point. Like, like he was still introducing himself as a priest and her as a nun, but like they weren't, it's not, it would be different if it was like, well, we're trying to keep low cover because they don't like, they don't like priests around here. Like, it's not like they're in, it's not like they're in silence, you know, they're, they're there introducing themselves as priests to go do a priest and a nun's job. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That was bizarre. Well, on that note, should we take a short break? Yeah. Let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Have you ever wanted to have lunch with a stuntman? I suppose I have, but I usually have lunch with a stunt woman, so I think <laughs> I'm just jaded. I think I think you've had a lot of lunches with stunt people, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I, I usually just zone out of the conversation. <laughs> I think that's totally fair. Well, if you happen to be in the Atlanta area, head down to Peachtree City because you can have lunch with a stuntman. You can have lunch with Tony McFarr at the Fit Kitchen ATL. It's in Peachtree City, Georgia. It is so healthy. I get super excited for places that are fast, where we can get really good dinners or lunches, and 
feel really good afterwards. And that's exactly what the Fit Kitchen does, inspired by Stuntman. So definitely go check out at the Fit Kitchen ATL on Instagram, or you can visit their website at www.thefitkitchenatl.com. And again, www.thefitkitchenatl.com. And don't miss all the really super awesome film and TV posters all over the restaurant. It's really rad. Okay, guys, we are back. We just finished talking about uh, kind of going back into nun fetishes, which is a surprisingly common theme in this movie. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, in case you're just joining and you've you've scrubbed through the episode, we're on, this is an episode on The Nun. Yes. Uh, yeah, this movie, man. <laughs> um, shall we say thoughts? We have lots of thoughts. We have lots of thoughts. Maybe that's a hash. All right, so we have two hashtags that we need to try and make from this episode. One is okay. face down, ass up. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is lots of thoughts. Let's try and make lots of thoughts a legitimate hashtag. Hashtag lots of thoughts. Okay. Um, so where so are we? Uh, can we so, get into spoiler territory now? Yeah, I mean, ba- basically... Stuff happens in this movie, and not all of it is explained, but not in a cool way. Uh, we, As far as like where in the movie we are, we got to where they got to the castle. But let's start yeah. skipping around a little bit, because if we keep just talking about this movie like beat by beat, it's just going to be like, yeah, this was stupid. Yeah, this was stupid. Yeah. Well, it just dragged. Yeah, it so- dragged a bit. So they, they, they get to the castle, and um, I liked... Hmm. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I I enj- enjoyed the imagery of going into the the ice locker thing. I mm-hmm. thought that was cool. I liked the the body mm-hmm. sitting up. I thought that was you know interesting, and that that scene had promise as a like a creepy thing. Like I didn't leave her like that. Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah. Um. So that was that was good. There was there was a, an okay moment. Um. My thought on that moment though. So like, it it's implied that that Valak actually went in there and set her up, right? Yeah. If Valak was trying to make sure that nobody could, spoiler alert, throw the literal blood of Christ onto him, while yeah. while he set her up, why didn't he take the key? Yeah. Well, it was implied that he didn't know it was there. Was it? I thought it was. I shed it in her hand, clutched in her fist. But the thing is, is that that body... That person who was that body before it was when it was still alive was the one who took the key and ran with it, which Valak would know because it was there. Mm-hmm. So either they're implying that the body sat up on its own because it was just animated by Valak and Valak was never there, or they're implying that Valak is stupid. Yeah. I took it as the body <laughs> moved on its own. Yeah, that's how I took it. I took that as. What's going on? Yeah. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Well, and I just... Also going back, so circling back to when, you know, he gets the figures out, deliveries is a thing, and Frenchie comes to save the day. Mm-hmm. What then also confused me is, like, then we get into, like, zombie video game land yeah. because he hits the zombie with up over the head and it fixes the problem. And I was like, what yeah. universe are we in now? This movie halfway sets up rules then immediately breaks them for the sake of its own uh lack of paying attention 
Yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't follow the rules of this universe, which this is movie, let's see, five in this universe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't follow the rules of this universe. Yeah, because there's never been there's never been a thing of animated corpses. Everything has just been possession, possession, and or you know illusion. Yes, with, with you know with ghosts and whatnot. Yes. So there's never been an actual reanimated corpse, which was a whole different thing. Where you're like, wait, what? That, that's a thing. Yeah, like that was it was supposed to be more of a a non corporeal aspect. Yeah. And um, and that was the thing that was that was one of my biggest problems with it was all the the physical contact that like I get the when Valak and she did it in Conjuring Two does her roar thing and people go flying away like that that makes sense to me within the confines of that universe mm-hmm. but there was a lot in this movie of every you know apparition whatever if you want to think of them as parts of Valak physically like picking people up and like strangling yeah. them and stuff like that and I was like that. Okay, nothing in this universe you set up before does anything like that. Yeah, like, Valak didn't do anything like that in The Conjuring 2, right? No, never touched anybody. Um, the closest that it probably would have been was The Crooked Man, because The Crooked Man was Valak, right? Uh, the Crooked Man was, a, yeah, a piece of Valak or something caused by Valak. And, okay. Yeah, but it, but it was, it was, it, it, it affected the, the, the inanimate objects such as the house and things like that, but it never... Like, touched anybody. Yeah. By the way, in case you guys were interested, I think The Crooked Man is the next spinoff they're working on. Oh, no. I wish you could see their faces right now, guys. I mean, <laughs> good good for, for Javier, but it's... um. Well, it's just frustrating. So, in the previews, we had previews for Halloween, which is I'm very excited about. And I think everybody in this perspective room is very excited about Halloween. Against my better judgment, I'm still very excited for Halloween. I'm so excited I can't keep it together. But, so, Michael Myers reaches through things all the time and with that, before this movie, I literally kept being like, why is, like, Michael Myers grabbing everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think this movie would have worked better if it was more of a psychological thing. Yeah, which is what I thought it was going to be and then there was a lot of just, like, physical throwing people around and stuff like that. And I, and I, I liked, there was still the psychological aspects to it, but it was, it, I feel like it was undercut by the fact that it was like, well then if this thing can touch people, why isn't it just murder these people? Right. Yeah. And like, I, it's the same reason why you see when, when I get annoyed in things like predator or whatever it is, where the, the alien or the monster is super is way stronger than people, but then just decides to throw them across the room and kind of leave them alone. Yeah. And I'm like, just deal with the problem and then leave. Like it's like. Well, and I didn't. I thought too. I really thought by the end of this movie, I thinking because Valak comes back, right? Yeah. And most spirits, they just go on, unless they're stopped. So I actually thought everyone was gonna die in this movie. Yeah. And when they didn't, I was kind of pissed. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, since we're squarely into spoiler territory, was any were either of you remotely surprised when it turns out that all the nuns were already dead? No. Not really, no. Because that's what I thought they'd set up in the first scene of the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, those were the last ones around. I actually was consistently extremely confused because they really hadn't touched on the lead's 
they had mentioned she had visions and then they didn't actually use them mm-hmm. except for she was able to sonar find yeah, the priest weird. and then all of a sudden she's like it was a vision and I'm like none of this makes sense and, and like how visions work no and they yeah they they set it up to where it's like visions where it's like premonition or something like that yeah. but like right. the, the fact that her, apparently her visions are basically the sixth sense yeah. Um, well, and it would have been different too if she was almost summoning their souls to help her and keep her safe. Yeah, if it was like the end of the Friday the 13th movie where she pulls her dead father out of the lake. Yeah, just like that. Uh, <laughs> but that's uh, a level of friendship. That's a level of friendship, but um it's The thing was is also all the nuns looked the same, so I had a hard time telling them apart. Oh my yeah. god. It was nun racism. Yeah, so all the nuns looked the same. I'm a nunnist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nunnist with a nun fetish. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting episode for me to edit too. I've decided <laughs> I haven't decided if I'm going to <laughs> the phrase nun fetish or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So another thing that like I was just not surprised that all the nuns were dead was because throughout the whole movie, like that looked like a dilapidated castle and none of them. And it yeah. looked like nobody had been there for a long time. Now I was surprised to find out that it all takes place in the same year, apparently. Uh, but what? Yeah. Apparently it all takes place in 1952. At first I was like, Oh, this must be like 1954 or something like that, where the meat of the movie takes place. But apparently oh. it's supposed to take place all in the year 1952. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. So apparently the nuns just weren't very good at taking care of their property uh, anyway. So like, looked like they were all- But there was bombs and stuff. I get that. I kept thinking, gosh, it would be really cold to sleep there. And I don't think I'd want to sign up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there are lots of reasons I don't think you'd make a good nun, but- <laughs> <laughs> Hurtful. I mean, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm drinking holy water. Let you just let you know. Inside of me is pure. Uh, <laughs> no, like that. That was um. Okay, here we're getting into territory where I can talk about some things I liked. Yes. Okay. Um. Aesthetically, I liked when they talked to the Mother Superior woman for the first time. Mm-hmm. Oh. The the creepy like all black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing yeah. With the face that sat there. Cool and all, looking. Bothered me that they didn't go over and fucking, like, why the fuck didn't you just, like, move your thing? Like, didn't investigate it right then and there. They were the worst investigators, and apparently that's their whole job. There's no way. If anybody ever talks to me looking like that, and it's not, like, Halloween or I'm at Bar Sinister, I'm not talking to them. I'm leaving. (laughs) Yeah, like, that was just very much like, that's not something nuns generally do. You should probably ask some questions. Yeah. Like, nuns don't generally walk around with, a, like, a full-on funeral veil and yeah. not make eye contact with you. Ghosts do. The whole time I was like, listen, I know it's the 50s, but I think someone's seen a scary movie. And yeah. they, I swear to God, dear horror filmmakers, quit splitting them up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, quit splitting people up. It sucks. Well, I, We all know what's going to happen. Well, and and... If you're going to split them up, don't make them decide to split up. Yeah. Make something happen that splits them yeah. up. That's not their choice. And that's one thing that it did really well. 
Yeah. Uh, which again, Doberman, your name's on that script. Why did you not learn that? When they go into the house and they they <gasps> yes. keep getting split up because they keep getting entranced in the different rooms, like that happens super organically and it made it yeah. really scary. Well, it felt like he thought he learned that lesson because when they did get split up, me as a viewer didn't know where in the labyrinth they were. Mm-hmm. And it felt like, holy crap, n- no one knows where they are. And that, that felt like, oh no, oh no, oh no. Like, I think it made me feel like it got bigger somehow. Yeah. Um, but then it didn't. And I don't, so I think that was just on accident and not done purposefully. And that sucks because it was, a, uh, then now it just makes me feel like it was a missed opportunity. So Alex, I think we, uh, I think, first of all, Jess, I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, I think you. we cut you off whenever you were talking about things that you liked about this movie though. Uh, we kind of went off oh. on a tangent. Touche. Oh no! Oh, so, so well, that, that was that one thing. Um, but there, there was, there was a scene. Now I like this scene, but I like this scene because I like the scene they stole it from. <laughs> Which is when it's towards the end of the movie, and this is going to be a spoiler, but don't watch this before you see the movie. Yes. Um, or listen to this. Uh, <laughs> but it's when uh all. She goes into that final room and she's there, and then all the other white habited people are there with the bags over their heads. And they're the and then Frenchie comes in and he has to do that thing where he's walking through the mall and they're all just standing there. Cool scene. A hundred percent ripped from Silent Hill. Oh. I, I thought so. That whole thing seemed very Silent Hillish. To yeah, me. that is the exact same scene of the Silent Hill nurses when they're all standing in the room oh. and any noise you make makes them turn and look at you. Mm-hmm. Like it's the same scene. Yeah. Cool scene, but Totally ripped off. So can I tell you another thing that was actually ripped off? And I had to look this up, but it sounded familiar to me in the theater. Uh, And this is a super obscure thing. And I honestly, I think it's more parallel thinking than anything. But so spoiler alert, the MacGuffin in this movie is they have to get the literal blood of Christ and, and wipe it on Valak to Uh, spit it in her mouth. So that scene, that scene, you remember that show tales from the crypt? Yes. So do you remember back in the mid-90s when they were doing Tales from the Crypt movies? Yeah. They did two of them, and The Frighteners by Peter Jackson was actually supposed to be the third, and they decided to make it its own movie. But okay. There's one Great ca- movie, by the way. There's one called Demon Knight. I don't remember much about yeah. this. But the end, of, yeah, the end of Demon Knight, she spits the blood back into the demon's face, and that's how she kills uh-uh. it. Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh-uh. Did you catch that too then, Alex? Yeah, I didn't remember that at the time, but now that you say it, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's uh, it, it, there. Were, there was a lot of cool imagery, and there was. I liked the. Um, I did like the scene. Okay, this is a scene I hundred percent liked, and I have nothing bad to say about it. Which was when I believe it was the father comes down. Comes the priest comes down the hallway, and he turns, and there are all the the faceless nuns standing oh. in the hallway. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they're all just sitting there praying, and then they all you just see all the habits turn and look at him, and they all kind of close ranks and march towards him was was cool. Yeah, I that, was like, I, I like that. That was cool. Like yeah. that was cool. That that's what's like scenes like that, because there are moments in this movie that are like pretty good. Like again, I think yeah. I, I don't think that this is made by a group of talentless people. I just don't think that I think it was a swing and a miss for the most part. Yeah. It wasn't based in a good story. Yeah. You can't make a movie off of cool moments. Now, I, all right, I will say though, 
that the first Conjuring, even though I think that it's a much better movie and it's got a better story and everything, that is an example of an incredibly talented director taking a collection of scenes and making it work as a whole movie. I can see that. I can see what you're saying. Yeah. I can see what you're saying, but I dis- I disagree. I think it's a great... To me, the whole movie makes sense. Yeah. Um, but this was some like I even like before the Crusaders came in, mm-hmm. even though it was completely cliche how the dude in the castle, the count yeah. was ha- had bodies hanging and opening things and doing evil things, yeah. witchy things. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was it looked cool. cool. I like I liked when the, when the floor cracked and the, and the person started coming out all steaming and stuff like that. Yeah, and it looked it like cool. there was lava on their skin. I was like, that looks red. Like that's something that's cool and that. Look, I liked it, but I will say the thing that I liked most about this movie is not anything about the movie. It is a prop in the movie, and I want those <laughs> demon witchcraft books. I just want them, and that was what I took away from this movie: is that I want those books. That I don't have. So now we know what to get Alex for his birthday. Yes, uh, Jordan, you have to draw them. <laughs> oh, okay. oh my god! Because <laughs> Jordan, if it, if may everyone know that if you ever get a birthday card from Jordan, well, from us, but it ends up being drawn by Jordan and it's a thing of beauty. Um, so let's uh, start to end this amazing conversation because I feel like, let's talk about the score really quick because usually Jordan and I totally agree. I don't think we're going to agree this time. So real quick, I'm going to read off the rest of my notes because that oh, will, yeah, yeah, yeah. That will oh, lead into the score. You, you wrote a book. Yeah, so... Um, I wrote in here, they sealed the gateway with a holy hand grenade. Yep. <laughs> Thou holy hand grenade. Yes. Uh, um, which basically, so you guys know, the blood of Christ is held in like a kind of glass orb and it looks like the holy hand grenade from no. Martin Python. It looks like a Christmas ornament. <clears throat> it it looks kind of like those Christmas ornaments. You know where they'll like put, uh, well, they'll put like red oil inside of it. and Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like that. Christmas. Um, so I thought that there was the scene where, you know, he's talking to the abbotess who then goes into the, like the confessional. Um, yeah. they finish that scene in the middle of another scene. So yes, like they, it, it was just a weird edit and it distracted me. I know they were trying to show things were happening, happening simultaneously, but it would have made much more sense if they would have just been like, here's a complete thought. Here's another complete. Yeah. Thought. It was not successful. Um, yeah. Let's see, make sure that I... All right, so the music to me, there were moments in it. uh, First of all, it's done by a composer who's becoming one of my current favorite ones. I wish I could pronounce his last name, but he's a Polish composer. Uh, We're going to call him Abel K. Uh, And and I'm sorry that I'm not good at pronouncing Polish names. Uh, But he uh, he did the music for Penny Dreadful, the Showtime show. Um, oh, okay. He also did music for this movie that I really liked from a couple years ago called Nocturnal Animals. Okay, yeah, I know that. Yeah. I never, oh. I never saw it, but I remember it. it. It's actually a pretty good movie, and his score in that movie was, uh, it sounded like straight up Bernard Herrmann, like classic Hitchcock right. Bernard Herrmann. Um, right. So what I liked about this one, I will say that I really liked the score. I didn't think it was too memorable of a score. But yeah. I thought what he did is, first of all, when they were going up, and we'd already talked about how the beginning of the movie kind of reminded us of the Herzog Nosferatu. Yeah. Uh, there, were, there were parts in there with like the low male choir that sounded like the Popol Vuh uh, score from Nosferatu. 
Well, that's why I didn't like it. Well, I want to get back to that in just a second. The last thing I'm going to say before I hand it over to you is that there are also parts of it that reminded me of the Bram Stoker Dracula, the Francis Ford Coppola one. Yeah. Especially in the Crusader scene. And I was was watching that and listening to it. I was like, this couldn't be on accident. He had to know that this looked like the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula and he was putting references to it in there. Yeah. Um, So I I liked it. I thought it did gothic horror pretty well. Um, Yeah. I um no I agree and and, and I like he incorporated the, the 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 sounds that they used from Conjuring Two when Valak was there he incorporated oh, those true. into the score which was a good tie in I mm-hmm. yeah I agree with that yeah then maybe this movie didn't deserve him because the movie was so on the nose mm-hmm. that his score didn't feel it didn't move me it actually annoyed me really. Yes, I literally the whole time was like, oh my God, shut the choir up because we get it. I get that this is The Exorcist. I get that this is a ghost movie. I get this is Catholic porn. Like, I just, after a while was like, I I, I felt on the moves. And then maybe in a way, he was referencing all these things as it looked that way. But it just after a while was like, I get it. Well, and I felt like maybe if this movie had been more original, then those tossbacks would have been more valid in the music. But otherwise, I was like, oh, my God, we get it. The woods are scary. Quit. Well, I think you're actually hitting on something that even though I like the score and you didn't, I actually agree with you on is that if the movie didn't have so many different callbacks to so many different things, then I think that the score might have stuck out in a different way. Uh, You know, and I've definitely worked on scores where, you know, on films where, you know, not to put myself above other artists because, you know, I'm definitely not the best composer you're ever going to hear. But I've worked on things where it's like, okay, I have to try and elevate this movie. And Alex actually helped me with the score on that. And that particular movie, I'm pretty sure the only award it was nominated for was the score. And whenever people watch that, the first thing they say is the score was terrifying. Um, Nothing else worked in it. But, um... (laughs) <laughs> that that's not fair. We we could go into that conversation, but uh Yeah, that's not That's a different podcast. Yeah. yeah. It, but, I think one day we need to do a podcast of why all... we want to kill ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and uh well Jordan and I have talked about it before is having a, a screening night of all of like the first movies you've ever been a part of. <laughs> I have a bad I don't even know if I have it anymore. I'd have to find it was a video or a film I made in high school. It's bad. Oh, one of Jordan's first jobs in LA is gold. Okay, so if your first job. Yes. Okay, so not not first thing you did when you were like Oh no, you know. although that would be Jordan did a lot of movies in high school. Yeah, I used to do movies instead of uh papers and I still got A's on them. Um yeah, because I don't know. Yeah. I was like, how did that work? Yeah, um, he sucks. Um, any, um, anyway, so what I was saying with all of that <laughs> is that it, sound, it sounds to me, it would not surprise me if they hired this guy, which I'm not sure why they didn't use the guy from all the other Conjuring movies. My, my guess is that they wanted something a little more melodic, and that's not really what Joe Bashara does. Yeah. Right. Um, because even in the Conjuring movies, whenever they need the melodic stuff, they hired Mark Isham in there to come to come and write the like they right. call it the I can family see that. Movement. But um, and the scores for the Conjuring movies are great. Yeah, um, yeah, I really like the scores for the Conjuring movies. I think this time they made a conscious choice to go a little more gothic, so they got somebody who specializes more in that. 
But it would not surprise me if he got there and he was just like, this movie's not very good. I'm just going to have fun with this because I was just watching Nosferatu the other day and maybe that'll be cool, you know? Yeah. I can totally see that. And I and again, the buck stops at the director. Mm-hmm. And the director, I, I just think, didn't didn't... Even so, let's say the composer did do that. He's got every right to, to do whatever the heck he wants. But the director heard it and was like, oh, my God, yes. Yeah. And put that in there, and everything was an, was an allude to something else. And Valak was so original in, in its entrance and so evil. Like, in The Conjuring 2, Valak was so evil. Yeah. And this was not that evil. Like, he tries to drown her. Like, yeah. a demon doesn't drown someone. Yeah. It, it takes their soul. A demon convinces them to drown themselves. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like Which that, is a lot scarier. That was what I was talking about earlier, about the, this seems like a lot of, like, it just hit punching people, essentially. Like, it was like, why, why are you not... Yeah. Why aren't you using like trickery and all these things that have been set up through all the other movies to get this these people to tear themselves apart? Why yes. have you become Freddy Krueger? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah it was bizarre. So um, I, I want to say a yeah. couple of things real quick. Uh, I want to say something, then pose a question to you guys. So first okay. of all, uh, we were going to go see The Nun when we ended up seeing The Predator. And uh, oh, Jessica, right. Jessica was like, you know, really? We went and saw this instead. So I think that I can safely say Jessica's not allowed to be mad at me anymore. Because <laughs> we would have just not enjoyed it regardless. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so the question You're I want... not wrong. <laughs> the question I want to pose to you is, do you, think, do you guys think that the current state of horror movies, because I know that we're kind of in a little bit of a renaissance with horror movies, just in the point where like they're being taken seriously. You know, we have it it being one of the highest grossing movies of last year and get out winning an Oscar, you know, which that only seems to happen like once every 30 years. But do you think the flip side of that is that horror movies are becoming more cynical? Mm. So like to, to give an example, uh, Alex, did you ever see 31, the Rob Zombie movie? No, I didn't. Okay, we watched it, and it it was one of the most cynical and joyless experiences I've had watching a horror movie. And I found out later, like, it made sense, because Rob Zombie literally said, well, if I get enough of a budget, I'll just do this, 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 and this, and people will like it anyway. And whether or not he meant that in a cynical way, and and he may have just meant that as, well, I know what my fans want, and I'll give it to them. But to me, it sounded like, well, I have so little respect for my audience that I'm just gonna do this poorly written gore porn and people are going to eat it up because that's what my audience is. So with that being said, that's why I wanted to kind of pose that question to you guys is do you think that horror movies are cynical now? And if they are, how do you think that we break them out of that? Well, I think there, I think there is a certain amount of horror movies that are cynical and and that are just like the people are making horror movies to capitalize on the fact that horror is popular right now. And I've worked on some of them and like it, it's not fun, mm-hmm. but it's, I do, I like, at a base level, I like when horror movies come out because when horror movies come out, it means there's still horror movies being made, which is generally most of what I work in, so it makes me happy. Right. But that being said, more isn't always better, and good horror movies are hard to come by. 
Now, I we've, we've spoken about it before. I, I really enjoyed the new it that came out. I had a blast with that. But it has, I mean, there are there have been a lot of horror movies recently, and most of them have been great. And even ones that are billed as horror movies don't end up being horror movies and because they're like, well, we'll sell it on it being a horror movie. And then you're like, yeah, but it wasn't a horror movie. It comes at night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. Uh, but... But yeah, I can see the, a certain amount of cynicism in horror movies lately, but I'm hoping that movies like Get Out and It and the ones that have come out recently that have been very good will inspire people to make more yeah. valid mm-hmm. horror movies because I love horror movies. Um, and to piggyback off of that, I actually think Our Savior is an independent film mm-hmm. um, because big budget horror isn't the soul of horror. Right, yeah. I think we're actually, the three of us kind of have a passion for a scary movie mm-hmm. and a thrill. Um, and for me, it, what's so great about horror is, one, it's it's like comedy. It is a true, it, it, to really nail it, you have to really invest in the story of what you're doing. Yeah. It is a true testament on filmmaking and storytelling because as we've learned in the movie that shall not be named, um, you can, the one where the score saved it. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if they're ever going to listen to this episode and be like, they're talking about me. I don't know. The reason that I bring that up though, is because we tried to ground as one of the actors in that film, I tried to ground it in a really a genuine truth, Mm -hmm. but the filmmaking wasn't on point. Right. And if, Horror, in order to work, must be rooted in truth and story, and the filmmaking has to be stellar. And I think there's a lot of independent work that's really trying really hard. Yeah. And as those, and and as someone who was part of a successful independent horror film, um, I think it's possible. And like Alex said, the fact that horror is being made is exciting. Mm-hmm. The I think I just think it's a very hard genre. It is, and it, it's something that I wish I wish people took a little more seriously than just being like, "Well, there's a jump scare, there's a jump scare, there. oh blood," you know. People, and I, I encounter this a lot with directors when they work on a horror project. When it's especially in television, when it's supposed to be like scary TV, because most of the time it's guest directors, because directors <laughs> cycle through TV all the time. Yeah, TV is more of a writer's medium than a director's medium. Yes, and the director will, especially with what I do being monsters and such, they'll, we'll get to set and they'll just look at me and go, okay, go. Right. No direction, no nothing. And I'm the one who has to come up with everything, which is fun on occasion, but I, I like being directed. I want to collaborate. I want to create this thing. Like, and so it, it, and it helps me also as an actor, not just do the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. So it bothers me when directors just don't give a shit about the medium they're working in. Yeah. 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 I, I think, I think you're right on that. Now what's unfortunate about this movie, which to me feels a little cynical again, it's just like, well, you know, the nun was scary. Let's make a movie about it. Oh, we'll figure that out later. People will go see it anyway. It's a conjuring movie. What, right. Yeah. What bums me out about this is that James Wan, who was an active producer on this, like he wasn't just an in-name producer. He was apparently even reshooting some second unit stuff on location. Really? Yeah. Yeah, like he he did a lot of like some of the exterior stuff on there. There was no James Wan camera move. Exactly. 
But like, uh, I literally was looking for it. Well, and there was no James Wan camera move except for the um, what? What's our hashtag? Um, face down, ass up. Yeah. So even in that, I expect there to be a James Wan camera move, and there wasn't in this movie. So that's actually really surprised me. Surprising to me that he was a hands-on producer. But what? bums me out so much about that is that he is a very talented director uh, who yeah. not only made the best Fast and Furious movie, uh, <clears throat> who's not only making what, from what I understand, is shaping up to be a really good DC movie, which we've only gotten that once before. Um, since Wonder the, Woman! Yeah, since the Nolan movies. But he also, he started in horror, he understands horror, and even his horror movies that I'm not a big fan of are so well done, you know? Like, yeah. we're not huge Insidious fans in our house, but y- you can't deny the talent that went behind Insidious, you know? Absolutely. I just right. don't, I don't dig those movies, but that's just personal. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I And also, too, if he came in to shoot second unit reshoots, a lot of those times, speaking from experience on the producing end, um, if you have one of your producers come in and have to do reshoots on second unit mm-hmm. it's usually not a good thing yeah true yeah it's usually rescue it's usually search and rescue well, yeah. so that that kind of tells me a lot too well right. and like i uh you know especially since like you guys couldn't find any other credits that this particular director had done on other movies like we said even an art department or anything like that no, it didn't. It didn't seem like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, According to IMDb. Yeah. So I mean, if I'm wrong, I would. I would love to know that. And again, I think that this guy might have a good horror movie in him in the future. I just don't think this was it. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. But like, maybe it also means, like you said earlier, Jess, about just always giving first time directors, like you know, okay, here's this franchise thing. It's like, I remember I was listening to How Did This Get Made on Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, and. <laughs> And have you have you guys seen that movie? No. Yes, I have. All right. So one thing that they say in there, Alex, and you'll get this, is that just because you really, really like movies doesn't mean you should be making movies. No, that's true. I so, would agree with that. So, so to me, it's one of those things. And Sky Captain is like it basically is just a movie full of references, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to me, it seems like maybe this guy has gone through film school or, or something like that. Uh, and maybe he, I've never seen the hollow. Maybe the hollow was really good, but yeah, no, I've never seen it either. So I, I wouldn't, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. But maybe just because he digs horror movies doesn't mean he's ready to make a horror movie like this. Maybe, he, yeah. maybe he needs to be making another couple of $5 million horror movies, uh, to cut his teeth into storytelling and pacing and proper editing. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. No, that would make sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any final thoughts on this movie? Um, I I think maybe maybe this has a Man of Steel thing, Jordan, where we're like, it could have been really awesome, yeah. And it just it to me it just wasn't. Yeah. I I don't know if I would say that because to me Man of Steel it was so close. Uh, oh, and be- then it just was awful. Yeah. It just, crashed and burned but like to me Um, this i think would have needed another one or two rewrites before it got good yeah i think it needed somebody like you were saying earlier alex to recognize maybe this should be a psychological thing and not a physical horror thing yeah yeah and a director has that power um i will i mean and i get it 
psychological stuff is harder. I get that. It's also scarier. Mm-hmm. If, yes. you, so, if you pull yeah. it off right, I mean, think about yeah. think about like the witch, you know? Yeah. Which, oh! Yeah, even no. though there was a lot of physical no. threat going on in the witch, there was a yeah. way more psychological stuff going way on. Way more. And I it was terrifying. Sleep. I love that movie. I do too. Yeah. Um, I, I will oh, say, I love that movie. It's so scary. One, it's so freaky. One final button I'll say on my question I posed to you guys is I think that A24 and Bloomhouse are the saving graces of modern horror. And Agreed. I, I think that they're the ones who are doing it right because uh, Hereditary was great. It Comes at Night was a good movie, even though it wasn't horror and should never have been marketed as horror. Yeah. Um, and uh, The Witch was A24. Bloomhouse is just on a roll. Sinister is still one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Um, so I think that there is hope. I just hope that the big budget guys will eventually figure that out. Right, yeah. No, I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and I will say I really like, I was really bummed out this movie took me out of the universe because I didn't realize Frenchie was from The Conjuring. Yeah. And when they showed that clip at the end, I was like, oh my God, if I had realized that the whole time, I would have been so scared for him. Yeah. And they had all these flashbacks, but it took me so out of the universe, I didn't even realize it. Until, like, literally Alex was like, no, it's from the other movie. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, literally, no. too. They had Patrick Wilson uh, come in and re-record the line where they say, they call him Frenchie, because that never happens in the first movie. Yeah, I didn't I, think uh, so. Yeah, so t- so to me, I kind of rolled my eyes just a little bit there, because I knew that they were just like, uh, hey, Patrick, can you swing by the studio today and just say this one line? that's like, really, you guys brought me down here to say they call him Frenchie? Yeah. yeah, but Patrick Wilson's very good looking, so I would call him in too. I mean, yeah, Patrick Wilson, if you want to come in on our podcast, you know, you can probably leave with Jessica. She'd probably be down with that, and I'm not we sure. We know I'm... you're listening, Patrick Wilson. We know you're listening. You and Tom Cruise, we know you're listening. Anyway. On that button. Yeah. Uh, Alex, do you have anything that you want to pitch? Um, oh, yeah. Anything you're oh, that's coming out? Like I've... I've got some things in the works right now nothing that i can announce yet but uh but there are things i'm doing things where can people find you on the social medias Uh, and the websites and stuff you can uh, best place to probably find me is on my twitter which my twitter is at alex ward 777 cool so yeah we'll put that in the details of the podcast so you can follow alexander on the tweeters now you can talk about la by night though which you are getting i can't that is true yeah Uh, so I am doing a once a week stream, uh, live stream of an RPG game that I'm playing with a couple other people uh, called Light by Night, which we are playing Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition. So we're all pretending to be vampires. It's, it's silly and fun. And it's on the Geek and Sundry Twitch channel. So if you want to check that out, that's every Friday night starting at 8 p.m. Pacific time. And awesome. how, how long is that going? Uh, that will be going for another six weeks as of today, as of this taping. Cool. So by the time this comes out, it'll still be going on for another month or so. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. So the Geek and Sundry Twitch. Yeah. Twitch.tv. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we'll definitely include that in the details you guys so you can follow Alex and you can be, do these, watch his amazing, wonderful details. And uh, I know that he's got a lot of stuff in the works. So keep uh, keep an eye out for something very scary and wicked and probably tall and skinny. Yeah, probably. <laughs> if it's tall and skinny and it isn't Doug Jones, it's probably Alex. 
All right, uh, Jess, do you have anything that you want to pitch? Um, I'm coming home. Who's the dog of the podcast? None of them came down here, so we didn't have a dog of the podcast this time. Well, uh, Jess doesn't leave for overseas for a little while longer, so I'm really excited to be back in L.A. and excited for some in-person date nights. And um, you can actually um, catch me on Shameless, Season 9, Episode 4. As of the taping of this podcast, it came out this week, so it'll be something that you could probably find um, streaming by now. So you can check that on Showtime on Shameless. Um, I also worked a week on Stranger Things, so that'll be coming out um, on Netflix. Um, And got a few calls and a couple awesome things coming up, so can't wait to shoot those and pitch those later. Cool. I have nothing to pitch right now. Uh, I just finished working on a short film called Horsehead, where I did all the conceptual sound design for it, and I think that's going to start uh, going into some festivals here pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, for those of you, um, as of this taping, it will be released. But for those of you who came by and said hello to me at Shriek Fest for the screening of Never Hike Alone, thank you so much for coming by to say hello, um, and welcome to the podcast. All right, guys. Well, uh, I guess that's it. Um, Alex, thanks so much for coming and talking about this thoughtful movie with us. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we like to get you on another one sometime in the future now that we know that Skype is an actual thing that we can do. So, yeah. yeah no, I'm down. Yeah. Anytime you're like, ooh, this movie. Um, we also need to get out of our streak of bad movies. Yeah. Well, um, you know, we do have Halloween coming up soon. Uh, which I'm hoping is going to be good. Uh, whenever you get home, even if we just have to video on demand it, we are doing Mandy oh, uh, yeah. with Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Also, for um, thank you for all of you listeners because we've gotten wide requests for throwback movies, so things mm-hmm. that have already been released. And for the month of October, we're actually going to be visiting a lot of our favorite scary movies. Um, and I think we've got some really cool guests. Um, so lots of guest podcasts coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just keep an eye out for us. Uh, we, we're doing new episodes every Thursday right now. Sometimes we may not hit a week. Sometimes I may end up doing two in a week just to get us caught up. Uh, but yeah, we are going to keep bringing you as much great content as we can. So, yes. So um, yeah, all right, guys. Well, I'm going to go on ahead and sign off. Thanks for coming we in. Do our, should we do our classic button? Yeah, do you want to start or do you want me to? Because we're doing it this way. Guys, I wish you could see Alex's face right now. He's just like, oh, married people. Alrighty, so, alright guys, well I'm Jess, I'm Jordan, and this is Date Night at the Movies, and we will see you next week.